Hi, welcome to Lighthouse Vineyard Church. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to know more about us, feel free to visit us online at lighthousevineyard.church. Enjoy the message. Hello, everyone. Thanks for being here today. My name is Clint Schwartz. I'm the lead pastor here at Lighthouse. I also wanted to say uh, welcome to everyone who's watching us over at the Beacon and those who are joining us online. Thanks for watching today. So we have a new member of the church I thought I would share with all of you. I'm super excited about. This is baby Isabella Jo Nenga. She's eight pounds, four ounces. If you guys know Katie, it's a big baby for Katie, right? Um, 21 and a quarter inches. Uh, she had the baby on Tuesday, and Tony and Katie are doing fine. There's Tony and Katie, Dada and Mama. Super excited for them. So um, we actually get to go visit them this afternoon. So I'm excited about that. Um, we're growing the church one baby at a time. All right. We just <laughs> keep them coming. Krista, Lyndon. All right. <laughs> they weren't paying attention. They don't know what I was saying. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Um, you have to go back and watch the video. All right, so um, I did want to let you guys know we are doing a Christmas series. It starts off in two weeks. It's called Faith, Hope, and Love, These Three Remain. And those are the topics of our uh, three Sundays in December leading up to Christmas, Faith, Hope, and Love. And I'll, I'll just tell you, I think that 2020 is a great time to spend on those topics, on our faith, on our hope, and on the love of Jesus. So I am super excited about that series. It is a great series to invite a friend to. So if you have a neighbor, a coworker, a family member who you've been wanting or considering inviting to church, um, invite them to come during our Advent series during Christmas because that's a time, this is the time of the year that people are more open to going to church than the rest of the year. So um, who knows, they may actually say yes this time. So invite them to come. Um, but to introduce our message today, I'm going to interview Grace Engel. I'm going to invite Grace to come on up here. Let me grab a couple of stools. Grace is our director of Lighthouse Kids, children's ministry here. And uh, she has kind of an announcement to make. So I'm going to ask her a few questions. So first of all, Grace, why don't you tell us about yourself? My name is Grace Engel. I'm from Lakeville, Indiana, and I currently reside in Lakeville, Indiana with my parents. Um, I went to college two years after high school, and now I'm back home again. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of what life looks like at the moment. All right, and uh, tell us how you became a follower of Jesus. Tell us about that. Yeah, so I grew up in a Christian household. I grew up in the church, going to church. God was a familiar name and person in our household. And at the beginning of high school, I got baptized. And then from there on out, it pretty much was like a downhill path for me. Um, I followed my desires, my flesh, what my plans were, what I wanted to do. And it was about the beginning of 2018 when I was just like, hit this, hit this wall, hit this moment of, I just was so unsatisfied. I was so unfulfilled. And I just, I had looked in a lot of places in this world for that satisfaction and it, nothing was cutting it. And, and I just knew I found myself one day like crying out to God, like, I need you. I need you so bad right now. So that was the beginning of, 
of my journey, um, of my walk with God and of me seeking him and finding him and saying, okay, what does it look like to be loved by you, God? Or what does it look like to love you and have a relationship with you? And then at the beginning of 2019 really is when um, a lot of things changed for me. I had an opportunity to go on a mission trip and God just totally wrecked my heart. And it was then during that time where I was like, okay, God, God surrender everything to you, my life, every area of it. And, and I'm all in, I'm all in for you. Well, tell us a little bit more about that mission trip. You know, it's a little bit more than just a, you know, a week-long mission trip. Well, so that was my first time on a, a mission trip, almost my first time outside of the country. I got to go to Costa Rica with some amazing people in this room. We had Krista and Rose and yeah, it was really, it was really, really cool. Um, but going into it, I obviously had no idea what to expect. And while I was there, God just, he just, that was the first time I truly allowed him to open my eyes to, to realize that this life that he's blessed me with, it's not about me, you know? This is about God. It's about his lost children. So, and in that, it was like, okay, God, this isn't this isn't about me anymore. It's what can I do for you? How can you use my life? And he just breathed purpose into me, and I just felt him um, just riding on my heart, just calling me to cross-cultural missions. So what'd you do last year then? So last year, um, I was a part of a 10-month discipleship program that was based out of Costa Rica. And just to give you an idea what that looked like, the first three months were um, in a classroom setting. So teachers and speakers from all over, they came and they taught um, and spoke on biblical-based teachings on the Holy Spirit, the love of God, evangelism, and topics like that. And then from January until July was our time of outreach. So we were put in teams of five, so five students and one leader, and we had they were spread out across Central America and I was team Costa Rica. So I stayed there. And then during that time, we partnered with a local, a local pastor in his church and did ministry with them. So that wasn't quite enough though. I mean, she was gone for 10 months in Costa Rica. And so what are your plans for 2021? So recently God has called me to Honduras. Um, I got to spend a couple of weeks there at the beginning of this year, actually. And, um, so a girl that I lived with in Costa Rica, um, her father is a pastor in Honduras, and that's where she's from. So God opened this door to allow me to go and teach at their school. It's a bilingual school, and I'll be able to teach fourth grade um, to students who are on scholarships from low-income families. And it just, um, they have this privilege to come and learn English, which just creates so many more opportunities for them as I get older. And then along with that, I'll also be... Um, a part of their church, plugged in there just with serving and assisting. Something else that I'm really excited for is they do like short mission trips within Honduras and they'll take trips up the mountain and to see other villages and communities. So I'll get to visit and serve there too. So I'm super excited. Well, it's kind of risky. So how are you able to take such risk? Good question. <laughs> um, no, so I was, I was thinking about this question earlier and it really just came down to of how can I not take this risk for God. Um, he's been so faithful and so good in my own life. Um, and in I just, his word and his past and currently his present, like he is, he is so good. He's so faithful. He's always provided. And I can trust that I can trust him. And I know that he's going to carry me wherever he takes me, wherever he calls me to. So, and here's this God, this amazing God who wants to use me. He wants to use you this and a human eye, this insignificant person. And, and so when he, when he asks you to, to leave your family in your comfortable bed and your hot shower and those things, but to risk, to risk putting these things on the line. 
I'm just like, okay, God, if you're going to risk sending your only son down to save my life, the least I can do for you is go when you call me in to obey you. That's good. That's good. Yeah. All right. So, um, by the way, if you're a parent, we do have someone who, uh, in line who is going to be taking over children's ministry. So don't worry about that. But uh, we'll announce that later on here in the next couple of weeks. But let's just pray for Grace as she uh, prepares for this over the next month and a half or so. So, all right. So, Father, I just thank you for Grace. I thank you, Lord, that you have been faithful in the past, and we know that you will be faithful in her future, Lord. And we pray a blessing on her for being willing to take such a big risk once again. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. All right. Thank you. Let's give her a hand, though. She's She impresses me. Now, the reason why I had her share her story is because Grace is just a normal person. If you know her um, or have known her for the last couple of years, she's just a normal person like you and me. And yet she is taking some big risks for God. And I would just let you know, I think that that is the call for each of us, not necessarily all to go overseas and go to Honduras, but to be willing to take big risks for God. And I would even go as far as to say, I think that may be required from each of us as a follower of Christ. So I use that story just to introduce our message series called Risk Takers, Finding Our Courage in an Unpredictable World. Today is our last uh, message from this series, and throughout it, we've been talking about modern day risk takers and then also talking about biblical risk takers with the hope that their courage and their uh, um, following, their willingness to follow Jesus and follow God in their situations would rub off on us today. So, we are going to be studying in today's message the 12 disciples. Uh, the 12 disciples took some incredibly big risks for Jesus. But as we'll learn a little bit about them today, they were just normal people like you and me, everyday people. And uh, they ended up risking their lives for the gospel, so much so that uh, history tells us that all of them, all but one, ended up being killed or martyred for their faith. So I, I did a quick search on Google to see who the 12 disciples were and how they died. And there's lots of lists out there, but I used the one that's it's based on Fox's Book of Martyrs. And I'll give you the list here. It says that Andrew, one of the disciples, was crucified, just like our Lord Jesus. Bartholomew was beaten, then crucified. James, son of Alphaeus, was stoned to death. James, son of Zebedee, was beheaded. John was the only disciple who ended up not dying because of his faith. They tried to kill him. They boiled him in oil, and then he survived. And so they ended up exiling him uh, for his faith, but he died of an old age. Judas, not Judas Iscariot, was stoned to death. And then Matthew was speared to death. Peter was crucified upside down because he didn't feel qualified to die the same way that Jesus did. So he asked to be crucified upside down instead. Philip was crucified, Simon was crucified, Thomas was speared to death, and Matthias is the one who replaced Judas Iscariot, ended up being stoned to death. They were all killed for the message of the gospel. Ordinary men, like you and me, 
who were willing to give up their very lives for the gospel. They had incredible courage. And as we study their story today, my hope is that some of that courage will rub off on each of us. We'll be in Acts chapter 4. You can turn there if you would like. Acts is right after Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the New Testament. And while you're turning there, I'm going to kind of set up where we're at in the story. So just going back to Jesus's life. So this is at the end of his life. Judas betrays Jesus. And then uh, all the disciples scatter because Jesus is arrested. He's During the trial, Peter denies that he even knows Jesus three times. And uh, he is run through a sham trial, is eventually crucified. Jesus is crucified for his faith. He rises again on the third day. And then he begins to appear to the disciples a couple of times. But then when you look in the book of John, uh, during this time, Peter and about half a dozen of the disciples, about half of the disciples, end up going up to the Sea of Galilee, 100 miles north of Jerusalem, going back to fishing. And they start fishing again. They kind of given up on this way of life because Jesus has now died. And so they uh, end up fishing. Jesus appears to them personally. He calls Peter out and he says, if you love me, feed my sheep. And he calls Peter to go back to ministry. And so Peter and the disciples end up going back down to Jerusalem. Jesus appears to them a few more times and then ascends into heaven. But he tells them, stay in Jerusalem until you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He's probably saying that to Peter. Peter, stay this time. He didn't stay in Jerusalem. So they do. And then about 40 days after Jesus was crucified on the day of Pentecost, the disciples are meeting together and they receive the Holy Spirit. And at that point, Peter begins to preach boldly and thousands of people come to know Jesus. Now, after that, Peter and John are, there's a story of Peter and John going to the temple to pray and they see a lame beggar and they heal him. In the name of Jesus, they heal him. And all of a sudden, all the crowds start surrounding and want to know what's going on. And Peter and John start teaching about Jesus. Now, this looked a lot like what had happened really just a month or two, a couple months earlier uh, when Jesus was alive. People are getting healed. Their crowds are gathering around. Well, the Sadducees get jealous. And so they have Peter and John arrested, thrown into jail. And uh, the next day, they start questioning them. They put them on trial. And uh, this is um, their response because they begin to boldly preach about Jesus and testify about Jesus. So we're in Acts chapter 4, verse 13. It says, When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Well, they don't want them preaching about Jesus, this man that they had killed just a couple of months earlier. So they began to threaten them and tell them, don't talk about this man named Jesus. So in verse 18, it says, Then they called them in again and commanded them, Peter and John, not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to listen to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. So the the Sadducees and the religious council 
they don't know what to do with these guys. So they just threaten them some more and say, don't talk about Jesus. If you do, we're going to arrest you. We're going to kill you. And they release them. So Peter and John go back to the disciples. You know, they gather together and they report everything that had happened. And at that point, they have a very important decision to make. Are we going to listen to what we've been told? Are we going to be intimidated into being quiet about Jesus? Because pretty much, if we continue down this path, they're promising they're going to arrest us and they're going to kill us for our faith. So all the disciples are meeting together, having this discussion. And so then they, their prayer is recorded in Acts 4, verse 29. And this is what they say. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. So they made their decision, right? We are going to speak boldly about Jesus. And they wanted God to empower them for it. And eventually, they were all killed because of that decision. The disciples were risk takers. So our message today is titled, The Disciples Martyrs for the Message. And my hope is that as we study a little bit more of this story, that some of that courage will rub off on us. That we would never be ashamed of speaking the name Jesus no matter who is trying to tell us to be quiet, that we would never be ashamed of that and we would always boldly speak. So I think there's a couple of things that we can uh, take out of their story, but first let me pray. Father, I come to you and I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would be here in our midst, that you would open up our hearts and minds to hear from you, God. Because I believe that each one of us has something to, to receive from you today. And Lord, I pray that you would speak through me as well. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, you can fill this in on your handout if you would like. A couple of points. The first point is the disciples boldly risked their lives because they personally knew Jesus. They personally knew Jesus. Verse 13 says, When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, just like us, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Now, again, if you go back and look at their lives, just three years earlier, they were just normal people doing normal things. Peter was married. He was a fisherman. Quite a few of the other disciples were fishermen as well. Matthew was a tax collector. Simon was a religious zealot. And they were just going about doing what normal people do. And a lot of these Disciples, scholars believe they were teenagers. So they were, you know, in their late teens, maybe early 20s, most of them, living out their ordinary lives. And then they met Jesus. Jesus called them and they started following Jesus. And it wrecked their lives. It changed everything. They personally witnessed Jesus healing people. They saw it happen. They participated when Jesus fed the 5,000. They actually carried these loaves and fishes you know, with their hands and delivered them. They would listen to Jesus teach in all the crowds. I'm sure there were times when not even, you could hear a pin drop 
Because Jesus was holding their attention. And then in secret, Jesus would pull them aside and, and he would explain the parables to them. They understood. They knew. They knew Jesus. They walked with him. They talked with him. They personally knew Jesus. Now, because they personally knew Jesus, they couldn't help but talk about what they had seen and heard. Acts 4.20 says, As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. They saw everything firsthand. And when you see something firsthand, right, nobody can argue with you about it. Because you know what you saw. You know what you heard. Uh, I have an example of that recently. I went, I'm a deer hunter, as many of you know. And I went deer hunting, and I saw the biggest buck I've ever seen. All right? Now, you may go, oh, sure you did. No, I'm like, no, I did. Let me tell you about it. I was sitting in a deer stand up in a tree, up in a tree and this buck starts, I hear it coming. It's coming down this lane behind me, and there's a fence row right there. And so that's not the property I have permission to hunt on. I have permission to hunt here. And so it's coming right behind me. I mean, at one point, it is like eight feet behind me, the biggest buck I've ever seen. And now it has to decide it's either going to come this way around me where I can take a shot or it's going to go away. And as I'm sitting there in anticipation, waiting to know what it's going to do, I just start shaking. I just start shaking. You know, I mean, those of you who have not had buck fever, you may not understand this, but what happens is you just start shaking uncontrollably, uncontrollably, and I'm sitting there and my legs are bouncing up and down and I'm trying to breathe really quiet. <sighs> Needless to say, it, it actually goes the other way. I'm not sure why. I mean, maybe because the tree's bouncing and there's this wheezing going on. I don't know. But it was this huge buck that I saw with my own eyes. And someone could say, well, no, you didn't. It really wasn't that big. I'm like, no, you don't understand. I saw it with my own eyes. I heard it with my own ears. I felt what happened to me when I was that close to that big of a deer. Guys, the disciples, they, they were with Jesus. They saw him heal with their own eyes. They heard his teachings with their own ears. I mean, there were times, I'm guessing over the three years, that, that one of the disciples was sick or maybe was injured, and Jesus healed them. So they felt Jesus' healing touch. And their lives were wrecked because of Jesus' love for each and every one of them. They knew Jesus. They knew him firsthand. Guys, knowing Jesus is different than knowing about him. We learn about Jesus in Sunday school. Maybe if we watch movies or you can read about Jesus in scripture. But that's just religion. If you just know about Jesus, that's religion. But Jesus came, God came to earth to be with us. Be with us so that we could know him, not just know about him. And that's what he wants. He wants a relationship with each and every one of us. And when we have that relationship with Jesus and when we spend time with him and we know him, man, it changes everything. It changes everything. 
You can write this down. Being with Jesus will cause our courage to increase. That's one of the reasons why the disciples were so courageous. They knew Jesus. They had been with Jesus. They had felt Jesus' touch, and they, they couldn't deny it. They couldn't help but talk about what they had seen and heard. Another reason the disciples boldly risked their lives was because they were filled with the Holy Spirit. It's your second point. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts 4.29 says, this is part of their prayer. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your Holy Spirit, Holy Servant Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. They wanted to be able to speak about Jesus boldly, despite the threats. If you consider Peter in this case, Peter had denied that he even knew Jesus three times, three times, and the rest of the disciples had scattered when Jesus was arrested. I mean, their prayers, Lord, let us boldly declare your name and speak about you. And their prayer was answered. God gave them the Holy Spirit. He filled them up. And this, by the way, this is in Acts chapter 4. They filled them with the Holy Spirit. This wasn't the first time. In Acts chapter 2 is where they were filled with the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. So this was a, a refilling, and, and it says they spoke the word of God boldly. When we receive the Holy Spirit, it empowers us to speak the word of God boldly. got to remember these disciples. Just back into the Gospels, these were the disciples who scattered, denied Jesus, and decided to go fishing. They had given up, right? Those same disciples ended up, we saw earlier, being willing to die for their faith. And I don't know each of those stories, but I'm pretty sure that at any point they could have recounted the name of Jesus and survived. But all the way up to the point of death, they did not deny Jesus Christ and him as the Lord of the universe. That's incredible courage. That's incredible boldness. But it was after they received the Holy Spirit. And if we want to do big things for Jesus, we will need the power of the Holy Spirit in our, in our lives. Each and every one of us will. Now, the Holy Spirit can be pretty confusing, right? I mean, this is a very divisive topic in churches. I grew up in a church where they wouldn't even talk about the Holy Spirit, let alone pray that you would receive it. They just, they just acted like the Holy Spirit didn't even exist. I love being part of the vineyard movement of churches because they try to simplify this for each of us. Basically, the, the general belief within the Vineyard Movement is that we all receive a measure of the Holy Spirit when we decide to be a follower of Christ. And then there are times afterwards, could be at the same time, could be at baptism, could be later on in our lives, where we are refilled or baptized or empowered with the Holy Spirit. It's not necessarily a single one-time event, as we saw here with the disciples. It happened at Pentecost, and it happened you know, a few days later, 
uh, here in Acts chapter 4. And you may ask, well, why do we, why do we need to keep receiving the Holy Spirit? John Wimber says it this way. He was the father of the vineyard. He says, well, it's because we leak. We leak. We receive the Holy Spirit in our lives. And you guys kind of know those times. Maybe it was that salvation where you were like, woohoo, man, I am full of God. I just, I can feel him. I'm bold. You know, I'm ready to take on the world. And then a week later or a month later or maybe years later, you're like, oh, man. I, I just don't feel the same way. And it's because we leak. <clears throat> now, how do we leak? Well, sometimes it's by doing ministry. When we pray and intercede for others, we, by definition, are giving out, right? So we're giving out what we have received. So there's times when we are just interceding. Like, you may come in and serve here in children's ministry, and your tank may be right up here when you come in, and when you leave, it may be way down here. You know, And it's because you gave out in service. And then we also have situations in our lives. We get that phone call from that family member who's talking about the holidays and giving you a hard time on what you're doing or not doing, and you can feel your tank getting a little bit less, right? Or that car pulls out in front of you. Or this past week when that car slowed down, every time it went out around a curve, my tank went down a little bit, you know? And I know that their tank went down a little bit when I was right on their tail and I was not being very pastor-like. Sorry, guy. It was dark. He couldn't see my Jesus fish when I went around him. I'm pretty sure. Pretty sure. But there are those times, right, when, when our tank is going down. Now, we can, like, we can refill. We can refill through prayer. Uh, through fasting, through worship, through coming to church. You know, there are times when we can fill up. But Scripture is pretty clear that there are these times when we can get like a, full, a fill up by having someone just pray over you and empower the Holy Spirit in your lives. That's what happened with the disciples. I mean, they, Peter and John were arrested. And it wasn't looking good for them. It was looking like, Oh, no, they're going to kill Peter and John. Why are they doing that? Because he healed a man. I can imagine the disciples were like, oh, my tank's getting low. Now, Peter and John were released. They're like, yes. And then they listened to the story. We're told never to talk about Jesus or they're going to arrest us again and they're going to kill us. <sighs> the tank's low. And I'm sure there are thoughts of, I can go fishing. I can live a a ripe old age. But that's not what they did. They said, Lord, empower us. Enable us to speak boldly. And the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. As we need the Holy Spirit in our lives. We need the Holy Spirit. Especially if we are going to be risk takers in this generation. This is your last fill-in. <clears throat> if you are struggling with being bold for Jesus, it might be time for a refill of his spirit. I'm going to invite Will and Krista to come up here, and I'm going to turn ministry time over to Zach in the beacon. Um, they're going to lead us in a song. <coughs> so if you guys would all stand.
before we jump in, I just want us to pause in that. We know that God wants to fill us with his spirit. We know that he's here in this place. But I'll create space as I'm getting set with a guitar for you guys to just sit and ask him what that looks like for you. Where are you at right now? God, we just thank you for being here today. As we lift up this song to you about what you did at the cross, that it is finished. Your love poured out for us is done, and now the Holy Spirit dwells within each and every one of us. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name. All right. Let's sing this out together. The cross has the final word. The cross has the final word. The cross has the final word. The Savior has Has the final word. See that again. The cross has the final word. The cross has the final word. The Savior has come with the morning light. The cross has.
So the first reason the disciples were risk takers was because they had a relationship with Jesus. And so I just want to give that opportunity today for anyone where you've just kind of realized you know about Jesus, but you don't necessarily know him. Well, that can change today. So if you want to start a relationship with Jesus, I'm going to ask you to do something bold. I'm going to ask you to come out of your aisle and come up here and stand in the front. And we will pray with you to start that relationship with him. Is there anyone that wants to do that today? To invite you to come on up here right now. You'll kind of know if God is speaking to you. Your heart may be racing right now. And you may have every argument in your mind telling you why you shouldn't go up. Guys, when we have a relationship with Jesus, it changes everything. It changes everything. So if you want to start that today, you have an opportunity. God is never going to force himself on you. He just gives you opportunities. And today is one of those. So if you want to start that relationship with Jesus today, I want to invite you to come on up. Be bold. Is there anyone? I'm just going to wait. No, 
another couple seconds. next opportunity and this is for anyone where you know your tank is low or you've never been prayed to receive the power of the Holy Spirit in your life we want to pray for an infilling you know to be refilled and so if that's you just come on up here and then uh, we're going to end up dismissing everybody else and we'll take time and pray for you is there anyone that you just know I need to get filled back up. Come on up. Thanks. Anyone else? Thanks for coming up. And just so you guys know, I have responded to this type of opportunity probably dozens of times in my life because I leak, right? And I know that there are times when I just need to be filled back up. And I will tell you, every single time, it's been an incredible experience. And so I just encourage you, if God has put it on your heart to come up and receive prayer, it's not a scary thing. All right? Anyone else want to be part of this prayer? All right, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray a prayer of dismissal all of you and then we're going to take some time and pray up here in the front all right if you have any other prayer requests after we're dismissed you guys can just sit and wait and the prayer team member will be glad to pray with you afterwards all right let me pray so god i thank you for your holy spirit i thank you for everything you've offered to us made available to us and lord we thank you for salvation first and foremost so lord go with us as we leave this place father Man, let us be a light in a dark world. Let us proclaim your name boldly wherever we go. And we thank you for your disciples, Lord. And we thank you that we are counted among your disciples. What a privilege. What a privilege. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, you guys are all dismissed. Thank you for being here today. And Rose, will you come over here and help me pray? Well, that's it for today's message. We hope we helped you know God more intimately. If you feel our ministry is helping you spiritually, feel free to find out more about us at lighthouseofvineyard.church. Thank you for being part of our family, and we will see you next time.